Hello everyone and welcome to the 45th episode of the Alien vs Predator Galaxy podcast. This is your regular host Aaron Percival, or Corporal Hicks as I go by on the website. And this is Rich Top. Hello again everyone and welcome to 2017. This is our first episode of the new year and we're starting off with a special interview. At the end of 2016 we had the opportunity to interview a genuine colonial marine from a film a few of you may have seen once or twice. This is none other than Mr. Daniel Cash who was known as Private Spuckmeyer from Aliens. And we hope you enjoy. Thank you for joining Hello. us today. And in the real world, it goes by the name Daniel Cash. A lot of you, you'll obviously remember him as Spuckmeyer. Uh, thanks for taking the time yeah, to... Spuckmeyer. Spuckmeyer. I, I think I read somewhere um, about you laughing at the name. Didn't uh, you see him get it from a cereal box or something? Well, like I don't that? know. It's from a cereal box. I asked James Cameron where he got it. He said a cereal box. But it has, uh, you know, uh, connotations in different countries that aren't super great. So. Yeah, it's uh, in the British. <laughs> I think it was an English one. Yeah, I'm I'm British. Does, you really? Uh, to me, it's uh, got dirty connotations as well. Yeah, well, so now I'm famous for it. <laughs> Well, before we do actually start talking about aliens, I was hoping you could talk a little bit about your background. How and when did you first get into acting? I was born in Canada, in Montreal, and um, I I have a I'm the son of two very well known um, musicians. My mother's a world famous opera singer. Her name is Maureen Forrester, and my father's a very well known. They're both dead, but my father's was a uh, very well known. Rich also a violinist and conductor. You know, I was born into a entertainment classical music world. And I have four sisters. One of my sisters is a Second City alumni, actually. She's been in all kinds of things. And uh, she was always the um, comedian in the family, really. And so for a long time, I, I hid my uh, ambitions to be an actor because of her. And really. And uh, then... Coming towards, well, actually, I wrote my grade 10 teacher, I want to be an actor and I'll never tell anybody. I don't know, it's it sort of like, it's a crazy, you know, choice to make in life. And so, uh, I don't know, it, I came to the end of school, high school, did one year of university and went, you know what, I do want to be an actor. And I actually, to be honest, I was almost like, oh my God, I'm... Uh, I'm depressed. I want to be an actor. I can't be a stupid actor. And um, I also have um, I also have famous uh, a famous aunt. Her name was Libby Morris. She was actually quite famous in England in the uh, you know, around the 50s, 60s, and 70s for musical theater and comedy. And a cousin who went into acting, and she was going to the school called Drama Center in England. And I wanted to, if I was going to be an actor, I said I need to get away from my family and friends so that I, you know, they they don't have. There's no thoughts of who I was and why I shouldn't be an actor or or any sort of judgment. So I I wanted to go away, and that's why I went to England, London, and I lived there for eight years. And I went to the Drama Center. I auditioned all over the place, but uh, this place was a very funky, funky kind of place and uh, really kind of hard. And it was exactly what I wanted. And to be honest, one little interesting fact of my life is that my roommate was Colin Firth. Mm, Nice. He's still keeping touch? Yeah. Cool. And 
uh, to be honest, uh, when I auditioned, when I found out about the audition for Aliens, Mike Myers had been uh, fired from Second City, and my sister said, "Can you put him up in England? Because uh, he's been fired." And so he was sleeping on my couch. This is when I was going up for Aliens. He was sleeping on my couch, and I was doing Claudius and Hamlet with Colin Firth. You've done stage productions then as well, I take it. Yes, I'm really a I'm really a theater actor. You know, that's how I was trained, and I love the idea. It's just I can't make enough money doing it. Um, well, when Aliens was in production, there was a little confusion about it being a sequel. I was just wondering, had you seen the original Alien prior to being cast in the film? And if so, what did you think of it? I can't remember if Blade Runner was first before Ridley Scott's Aliens. Which was first, you know? It was Alien, then, then Blade Runner, then Aliens, I think it was. So Alien, then Blade Runner, then Aliens? Yeah, I think that's the right order. Because I thought I went to Alien partly because of Blade Runner, because I love that film. But no, of course, everyone saw Alien. I mean, you know, unless you were, like, too pretentious or something. I don't know. Everybody in their brother saw Alien. It was like, it was after E.T. or something. You know, and Alien, the first half of Alien is, you know, major film history, uh, as far as I'm concerned. It changed sci-fi forever. I mean, they, they cast Yafet Koto and Harry Dean Stanton, besides the rest of the cast, in space. And previous to that, we had had 2001 and all these antiseptic environments and so on. Now we've got this, like, big black guy and a drunken, shriveled older guy and, and, and the rest of the cast. And it was uh, a piece of crap in space floating around. And then they had this mission. I loved it. I loved the first half. The second half I wasn't as impressed uh, with, to be honest, because uh, then it became like a chase movie kind of thing. I loved the first half because it kind of changed the world of film. Mm. Very sort of different take on it. It's sort of every everyday man take on the sci-fi, wasn't it? It's like regular people in space. They hadn't done that yet. I mean, it, se- it seems like the most obvious thing to do, but they hadn't done it yet, I don't think. If I'm not mistaken, Aliens was actually your first role in a major film. My first job. First acting job? Yeah. It was my first, uh, I, it was, well, actually, I had done, uh, <laughs> I had done, um, Jack and the Beanstalk. Oh no, actually, I'm wrong. It was my, it, I had my equity card just before that. Uh, and it took me a while to get it. And, uh, I did the world premiere of The Hobbit in Leicester at the Leicester Phoenix Theater, which I don't think exists anymore. And I played, a uh, goblin, a troll, uh, a spider, four human beings, and uh, I was I carried carried Bilbo around half the play in my arms. This um, guy who's this uh, I don't know what you call him. Uh, I forget. I don't know what the right term is, but he was a, uh, a midget, and uh, and but he was very very well known he had been malcolm something i can't remember his last name he had done uh time bandits and all kind of star wars and stuff right. he'd be whispering to me in my uh, about uh just joking the whole whole uh production and it was the world premiere of the hobbit on stage no one had done it and i love uh, lord of the rings and uh but i was also in order to get my damn equity card which you can get easily now but you couldn't then i was the assistant asm as well, assistant stage manager to 50 English children, which means I had to serve them tea. When an American, as far as they're concerned, serves tea to, to English kids, they all complain about the tea. <laughs> it's funny you mention that. I've literally got a cup of tea in my hand right now. Well, it wasn't made by an American because you'd be complaining. True. Uh, There's some British that make it wrong as well. Never the milk Let's first. Don't start. Never the milk first. Uh. <laughs> so... Uh, 
How, how did you actually end up to be cast in Aliens? How did you find out about it? The first audition I ever did was for Andrew Lloyd Webber and Trevor Nunn for Starlight Express, which I almost got, but I didn't have my equity card, and that was the problem. And then I did the lesser thing, and then I heard about this audition, and you know what? I have to say, I wanted to be a classical actor, and then I still do, and do I do those plays. This audition came up, and I was going, okay, I'll go for it, but... I was going, I don't care. I don't care about this whole space thing. However, I, so I was a bit cocky. Well, I, I guess I'm sounding a little cocky now, but I was more cocky then. So I went down and, and, uh, I had this very, at the time I had this very, it was a kind of funky jacket that I was wearing. It was kind of like semi-militaristic, I guess, but more like spacey, like it was kind of sort of a new, new, uh, new idea. And I walked in I, downtown. They were doing this audition. So my agent got me this this audition and uh it was in the west end somewhere i can't remember like it was kind of a you know kind of highfalutin audition or something and i went in and um i remember i saw al matthews in the waiting room and he was talking his head off and being very tough and with and a bunch of other people were being kind of macho i mean very very much so you know and he went to vietnam a couple of times so like he he's a scary dude when he wants to be and he was doing that in the in the waiting room and i was i was freaked out by it. i was going i'm never getting this so like listen to this guy wow this is the real deal so i went in and uh there were two uh pas uh doing the audition these young people and and i i was reading for hutchins world i said to them Listen, before I even started. Oh yeah, well, I have to tell you this. I, I played, uh, touch football with Mike Myers, uh, in High, High Park a, a number of times and I broke my leg. So I had a cast on. I came in on crutches and, uh, there were these people doing the audition. I said, listen, before I even start, you gotta rewrite this part. It's written for a black man. This is stupid. This, uh, it doesn't even come out of my mouth like well. And I don't know. I think you have to change it. <laughs> anyway, I had three recalls for that, uh, for Hudson. And I finally got Spunkmire. And the people I was pushing around, and really I was pushing them around, were James Cameron and Caroline Hurt. Oh. And, uh, but I got the part and James said, I'll give you the part if you give me the jacket. <laughs> the, the, the funky space stage jacket. Which I did. <laughs> oh, nice. Has he still got it? I don't know. Recently everyone got together in, uh, San Diego, they they finally got together with Gail and her and James Cameron, and I I could not go. I wasn't available, so uh, that might have been a question I might have asked her, but that would have been fun if I had seen him. You know, he was 32. It was kind of neat. He was a kind of a young guy. He just done Terminator and everything, and he he needed something else. So this was a big this was his big next step, and it kind of sort of felt like that for everybody. I've read in a previous interview that you did that, you know, when, when you read the script for Aliens, you actually thought it was, um, you know, it was quite hokey. It was some poor sci-fi. Well, what I actually did think, and I'm not sure if I, I can say that I still think it, I, I sort of think it. It's a chase movie. It's like, it's like, you know, and it, there's a, it's, it's linear in that way. And though they added the element of the child, which is good, and the whole mother-child idea and theme, which is very, very good. And also, you know, the queen alien and so on. I, I think that's all good. Right, and so maybe I didn't really it. recognize that when I first read it. The nature of the whole chase thing is not my gig. I, I, I don't love movies that do that, but uh, I have to, I'll tell you this. You know, when we first went to Pinewood, James was like the guy, you know, he's a designer. He's a visual guy and he took us all around. And, you know, I, w I was living in Kilburn in a broken down house. And I uh, was picked up by a chauffeur, and I was totally broke, and taken to Pinewood, and, and I was treated really well. 
And he was showing us around this amazing set, the kind of like sets you dream about. You know, it was an, it was another world and everything. You know, he showed us all the little miniatures and everything. So, you know, from a from a visual and tension and design point of view, fantastic. It's pretty well known that the Colonial Marine cast of Aliens spent time training together in an effort to kind of form a bond that would come across really well on screen. Uh, we've heard all sorts of stories from that time, so we were wondering what was your most memorable part of the bonding exercises on Aliens with the, the other cast of the Marines? I do remember Bill Hope being uh, ahead of everybody and all the jogging. And whenever we had to do some serious, like, heavy exercise, Bill Hope was in, in fantastic shape. A lot of people were in great shape, but that guy could run. I don't remember that much about that. Like, nothing in particular sort of wonderful, except for the fact that I I may, I bet I uh, tripped. Like, they did uh, trip wires kind of thing, you know, like, in as in real training in the bush kind of thing. Like, you might do for Vietnam or something, where, you know, if you cross the wire, that's the bomb. That's the, that's going to blow up. I, and I got caught in them all the time. I thought I was, I would have been dead hundreds of times. But also... um one thing that was cool is we took the rifles or the the guns we were using, the famous guns that a lot of people have re replicas of now, and and they they t told us to uh, to uh, practice with them, you know, outside. They put like a, a styrofoam board of like I'm saying like 15 feet away, man, and they said, watch this, and the the air from that blew a hole through the styrofoam, and so they were really saying to us, be careful. Mm -hmm. This is dangerous. Here's another thing. Al Matthews, who had been to Vietnam a few times, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'd never held a gun before, I don't think. Whenever, I, I was standing around once in a while with my hand, you know, the gun rifle down by my side, and, uh, you know, my finger on the, like, probably my finger on the trigger, you know, whatever. I didn't care. It was fake. One day, Al Matthews from across the room almost killed me because he had been to Vietnam a couple times and I had my finger on the trigger when I was in a relaxed state. Mm -hmm. And that, for anybody, any veteran that has been to war, is an absolute, you know, cardinal sin. It's a, you know, it's a no-no. And he he went mental on me. And I've never done it since. Never had my finger on the trigger. <laughs> Aside from the training you did with the other cast, was there any sort of preparation that you did personally for the role? I would like to say that I did, but not really. Because I was really almost out of drama school, and I was just going, someone feed me some food so I don't starve. <laughs> like, I mean, there wasn't, I couldn't figure out exactly what to do. And I was also very naive about the whole film set and everything. I think in a way, I probably, I made a couple of mistakes that are interesting, uh, uh, really naive things that only I notice, maybe. There's one point, if you ever see the film again, I'm sure you will, when they first come, when, before that big group thing where Bill Hope is, is introduced to us and everything, and everyone's really cocky, it's kind of, a, there's a poster of everything. Bill Hope and Al Matthews walk into the room, this is from a distance, and I, I put my hand up like this. It's just something I did, and it was completely wrong. But And I noticed that. It's like, why did I do that? And why did they keep it on the film? It's from a distance. It doesn't really matter, but it's really stupid. I would have probably looked it more into uh, that Vietnam sort of protocol for soldiers, because you, you can't learn enough of that stuff. And uh, I think that would have been interesting. But really, I was just trying to survive because I didn't know what the hell was going to happen on this film. It was a big film, and I didn't, I'd never been on... A, a TV show or anything, you know? My first scene actually was that, the scene with, uh, Lance Hendrickson and then the, uh, no, my second, that was my second scene. My first scene was the, uh, cafeteria scene with the knife and everything. And, uh, yeah. guys, I mean, uh, it was like, I'm a, I'm a classical actor. I, I was going every, every, you know, comma and, and period, you know, you have to behave. You can't make up stuff. 
Al Matthews particularly, but everybody was not doing the script, man. They were all over the place. They were like, and I was sitting there going, wow, how am I supposed to do this? I don't know what to do. I'm just, I'm not a writer. I'm not going to, I can't just talk here. It's crazy, man. I was, I was really nervous. But then actually, when I look at it now, at some of those scenes, like that cafeteria thing, only meaningful to me, I go, uh, I feel like I was pretty relaxed. It was, it was kind of okay. So it's kind of, from my naivety, it was impressive in a way that I could just cool it, you know? That sort of might answer this next question or sort of lead us on to it. And, you know, so, so this is your first feature film. This is your first acting gig. And it's, it's not just that, but you're also working with the hard ass that is James Cameron. And, you know, this relatively, um, relatively huge cast. What was it like being on that set? You know, that particular set being your first big job. Was it, was it I was afraid of the whole arena of films, right? But I was also very cocky because, I don't know, maybe I thought stupidly that you know, I had a classical training. I don't know. But um I wasn't afraid of him at all. He was 32 years old and they were, you know, I don't know, when you live in England for a while, so, you know, I, I'm a North American and uh, so I, I was brought up in Philadelphia and in Toronto. So there's no reason for me to think this, but I had been in England for a while. So, you know, these were like cocky young um, Americans who were uh, a little bit up their own asses about this big project. I was going, who cares? That's how I felt. And so... uh he had to make sense or, or, or I wouldn't be like, I wasn't intimidated by his stature. He didn't really have that kind of stature at the time. I didn't know who Galen Hurd was. I didn't even realize maybe what even stature was in the film industry. So I didn't care. Maybe that's sort of why I got the job because it was like, whoever doesn't care the most is going to be, you know, the right sort of person to be in this crew on this ship, you know, <laughs> because you deal with that's kind of who they were. I think that kind of leads into the next question as well, which is there were some well-known stories about clashes between the British crew and, and James Cameron. Uh, at one point, everybody walked off the set. So I'm guessing you probably didn't have any personal issues uh, with James Cameron from what you said, but did you did you witness that tension at all? In England, at Pinewood, the people in the crew, I mean, when you walk into a veteran crew, I, like I know all these crews, like say in Toronto, like I, they've done a million things, you know. The guys in England had done all the, Bonds, down to the props guy, you know, the tiny, you know, 85 year old assistant props guy, you know, had done like half of the great films, you know, on the planet. So this 32 year old cocky American Canadian, really, uh, James Cameron was kind of pushing them around when, when they, they're like, we got it. We know what we're doing and we can help you and we might not help you unless you turn your attitude around. You know better kind of thing. I'm sure he's learned a little bit about that in like now but um like respecting experience because they had experience and there's a there was this great guy derek i've forgotten his last name i'm sure you know his name actually um, he was the first ad and and it was my first film that's yeah. you know like intimidating and i walked onto that set and this guy derek walked up to me and said dan it's great to see you. Lovely that you're here. Oh, I've got your back. Don't worry. Just, you know, be relaxed. Have fun. And doing all this kind of thing to me. And I was going, thank you, in my head. I was just going, thank you so much, man. That guy, I think when he died, and he did die, I think, like, the whole British film industry went to his funeral. He was one of those guys. He was one of those uh, those kind of the sergeants that you'll you hate but you'll go over the hill for you know what i mean and then you appreciate his strength later he was one of those guys he was a very talented ad and he ran that set everyone followed derek and uh 
And probably to some fault, they were going, what does this young kid know from America? You know, at one point, everyone walked off because he was he fired Derek. So like without even breathing, without even a no, like, you know, Derek, let's say Derek starts to walk. Everyone just starts to walk without not even thinking. Right. This is not happening or we will we'll all just go we screw up. You know, that's what it was like. And and yes, I, I you know, I, I didn't notice a huge amount of tension, but, you know, uh, James Cameron was impatient in general. And the only real direction I heard him say, no, I wasn't in on the, some of the intimate scenes, I suppose, that we all know about, um, was just do it faster. So he was more interested in the visual than anything, but I could, you know, I'm, un, I'm underestimating him because he's done some great things since. The one thing I, I would say about that is, uh, it, there was tension on the set in, in general because it was a big deal and, and had to get it right. And obviously he's someone who cares about getting it right from his, his perspective. But we had a great time outside of the set with James Cameron. We partied our asses off. And it was like, it's almost like he was trying to replicate the great sort of atmosphere of old Hollywood and going, renting out, you know, huge clubs and going for it. It was really fun. So I do remember that. So he had sort of two personalities, I think, where he's the easiest kind of fun loving guy and wanted to create the communal atmosphere and this with the, all the people. And then on the set, he was down to business, and he, he was decisive. Everyone had to perk up their ears and behave, and, and it caused some trouble. But um, obviously, he did well. Obviously, did a great job on it. Now, you're one of a few, probably two, I can't even remember if there are any other background actors on at this point, but, you know, one of a few actors who's seen using the power loader in Aliens. Uh, it was, <laughs> I suppose, quite a sort of low-tech effect, you know, what, what with it being a uh, sort of... Uh, cardboard suit over a big british stunt guy you know what what was that like what was uh it looks really quite good it's kind of amazing what it looks like because it, it was held up by a crane and then there was a northern english guy telling me northern english jokes in my ear behind me this huge guy was like strapped in he was walking around like they only did half of it a lot of the time so it was this guy telling me jokes and it, it felt terrible i thought it was going to look really bad because it just felt like horrifying man there was nothing high tech about this thing. It's funny when I see my, when I do that loader thing, I was nervous as hell even doing that, that scene. And I, I you know, now I would, I would have improv a little more stuff around that, but <laughs> I was really just like trying to do it right or whatever. But, um, now, uh, it was, it was really the stunt guy world, uh, that whole loader thing. And I, I, I'm amazed at what it looks like. Now, I think there it, it must have been the beginning of CGI and everything, but they needed another loader um, in the dock, and uh, they were freaking out about this, and uh, they didn't know what, what solution to, to do, and and because the loader cost a hundred thousand pounds or something, which I, at the time was like unbelievable amount. And um, to my absolute amazement, and I love this, is that they said, okay, hang a mirror. So in the loading dock, they just hung a mirror. They did one of those rolly mirrors, and there was a crease in the mirror. And so they went, hang a chain. And so now there's two in the dock, man. It's just a mirror. And I love that they did that in Hypersleep, too, because they yeah, needed a plot. But I love that. I mean, it was like I learned a lot about the, uh, you know filmmaking in this moment because it's more theatrical than people imagine. Mm. Um, your character doesn't really get to interact with Ripley, uh, but you did have kind of a strange scene with Bishop. Lance Henriksen is nearly as synonymous with Alien as Sigourney Weaver is. What was it like working with Lance? He's just this really, he's, he's like, it's almost like, uh, some, you know, like an iron giant that is a jazz musician. He's like a jazz musician. He's got a voice and he's Mr. Calm and he's, 
he knows what he wants. And he was just like a groovy guy. And he was a great choice for that android, when you think about it, because of his voice and because of his attitude. You know, I think he was slightly older than most of the people there. He would tell me things like, I do sculpture. That's really what I do. I do sculpture. You know, and uh, he he showed me that uh, different people have different ways of relaxing on set. And that was he, he was like the most relaxed guy. I loved working in that scene with him that because uh, it was a, that was a freak out for me because that was like me and him and like 200 people watching us. And, you know, again, I was innocent in this area. And actually a bunch of especially the people who love this film go, oh, you did that with an English accent. Because uh, I go, uh, need anything else, Bishop? Mm. Bishop, need anything else? And 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 what people hear, because I'd been living in Eng England for a while. In fact, I came home from England because of this kind of thing. My inflections had started to become a bit English. So I, really, uh, my the tone of it is, do you need anything else? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bishop, need anything else? Like a little, a, a little to be not American, you know? <laughs> and many people have noticed that. And when I listen to it now, I hear it. It's true. Now, Spunk Meyer met his fate off screen, you know, presumably to the point. I'm not hand. dead. <laughs> Who saw me di die? No one. Uh, well, you know, could come back fairly in 3.2. But um, I was, you know, I, I was wondering, you know, since. I have to tell you something first. Go on then. I did a, uh, one of these big BMW, uh, small film commercial things. Do you know, you know, the, the ones that make Clive, uh, Owen famous? Yeah, they just did another one, didn't they? I'm in it. Oh, awesome. And it was Neil Blomkamp, director. Yeah. They did it here. Trump. And so I walked up to him at the end of a very hard day, and he was walking out exhausted. And I said, hey, Neil, I hear you're doing the next Aliens, which immediately he's going, oh, my God, he's going to ask me for a part. Oh, my God. Or this is an alien freak or something. And I said, uh, I'm Private Spunkmeyer. And he fell to his knees. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. <laughs> did, did he grill you on it? Did he? Uh... Uh, no, he was exhausted, but he was just going, that's so cool. I'm so happy to meet you. That is so cool. Because, you know, and... We were at one of the, these uh, Comic-Con things, and uh, Sigourney said, you know, this is the first guy that's directing an Aliens that was a fan, you know? Like a fan from when he was young. So yeah. that's kind of cool. I was I was wondering, though, I mean, you know, since we don't actually see you die to the alien, and, you know, obviously you're dead and you don't get to interact with like all the high stuff and a bit later on, did you ever actually get to see, you know, the aliens in person? Were you... You know, ever, ever interacting with them on, on set. Yes. It's <laughs> hilarious to me. This is this, this theatrical thing that I'm talking about, which I love. I'm walking, I don't know, I was walking down some, I guess I was some interior shot and it was lunch, but they didn't want all the people who were playing alien creatures. They didn't want them to, I think it was time consuming or something. They didn't want them to get out of their costumes. So they had half their costumes off. And they were all like hang, they were all like ballerinas and stuff like that, hanging from the ceiling eating lunch. So, so fun. But no, I, I saw it a few times. And you know, it is amazing with, uh, cause I've done some other things like, uh, Guillermo de Toro's Mama and stuff. And, uh, people have said to me, were you scared? Uh, in Mama, like, I'd, uh, mm -hmm. saying, no, I wasn't scared. <laughs> I wasn't scared at all. <laughs> because there's a creature there, but, and, and in aliens, but no, I wasn't scared. I've read somewhere else that you mentioned that your line, you know, just before you, before your death scene, it wasn't actually you that, that voiced it. There's something out here. There's a guy, I was in Nova Scotia doing a play when James Cameron was doing the post and he wanted me to fly to LA to do 
the post. I guess it was that line probably. And I wasn't available because I was in this play. And so he got some guy to do it. And if you listen to that voice, it's it's totally different from mine. It's some New Yorker, which I, I guess is how he hears my voice. And he's like, there's something else here. It's totally <laughs> wacky. It's not me. Fair enough. It was mentioned that Sigourney Weaver used to send gifts out to the cast members. I got nothing. <laughs> you got nothing, huh? Borscht. <laughs> bagel. Oh, man. Sad. But you know, truthfully, I didn't. I, 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 I'll tell you one thing. One thing that was nice about her, I didn't interact with her dramatically on the film very much, as you mentioned. But um, one thing about her that was cool, just like the Derek thing, the first day I got onto that set, she walked right up to me and said, "Hi, I'm Sigourney Weaver. I'm very happy to have you here." And blah blah blah. And in my head, I thought, "That's cool. That is so good because actually, it is the lead actor's responsibility to do that, so that we now know we can talk to you." You know what I mean? Because uh, who knew? And uh, I always appreciated that from her. When did you get to see the finished film, and what was that like for you? I think a lot of my friends and family and stuff saw uh, the film before me. I didn't see it at any openings or anything like that, because I was doing theater and I was in Canada. I don't know. But, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm happy for any film that works. And Aliens, 30 years later, is something we're still talking about, which is like an incredible thing. I think the film's really great. Uh, especially on a visual level. And uh, I know all the people, so I was really happy and proud of their work. And and it's absolutely amazing we're talking about it 30 years from, from then. It's amazing. So I'm honored to be part of it. And you know, like originally I was going, I don't care. I don't care about being in this. Well, now I feel very fortunate being in this. Yeah. That sort of leads us on to the next one as well, because films that tend to make a big impact in this kind of genre, you tend to get tend to be given like an afterlife on the convention circuit. And you, you've been doing it for a few years now. Uh, I had the pleasure of actually seeing you speak about five years ago, actually, at uh, the 25th anniversary event at um, Leicester Space Centre in, in England. Yeah. I think that was about five years ago. Now, how how did you how did you get involved in you know that sort of convention circuit? Do you know what that group in England, which I think you might be part of, I didn't I didn't do anything for the longest time related to this film. Although I was aware of the fact that you know if you want if you need everyone on the poster, you got to get me. But um, I I think it was in Coventry or something, Coventry or Leicester or something. There was a previous uh, show to that in England. That out of the blue, I got called by the group, of the Aliens Club or whatever. I don't know what they yeah, call it. United Kingdom's Clone Marines. Yeah. And uh, I was happy to hear about it because I knew it existed. That stuff existed, but I didn't know how to engage myself to it. And, you know, the whole, the whole, uh, all these Comic-Cons and so on, um, the world of it has really grown even since, you know, and become even more legitimate than it ever was, you know, the idea of it. And so I was called to England, and that was the first one I ever did. And um, the group was so, like, devoted to aliens. It was incredible. Like, every, even, like, stuff that I had written, like, you know, as an off thought on my uniform or something, was on someone's uniform. And mm. it's amazing how detailed these, they, these people, how they cared about the film. And that was the first, that, I got a call. And then after that, that other, one happened where uh, they did the whole space center thing of the uh, recreation of the uh, the ship, and that was amazing. And and you know, at first I was actually you know suspicious and kind of thought it was a little odd to uh, to love a, a film that much. And then I thought to myself, uh, over the years actually, I've, I've become well, even then, but over the years, like the people were really nice. 
And over the years, I've really gotten to respect this idea that there's there's sort of a focus, and it doesn't really matter what focus it is. In this case, it's aliens, that it brought a whole group of people together in a kind of, uh, there's almost like a, a bit of humor involved in it all, too, that this is the reason they're all together. But they are together because of this movie, and it's shocking, but it's kind of fantastic. Okay, so, you know, like you're saying, very sort of dedicated people. You know, obviously I'm a huge fan myself. I've spent over a decade of my life uh, running running the website now. And we're a strange bunch. Sometimes we're a strange bunch. What's been the most sort of interesting interaction you've actually ended up with at these events? It's just a whole bunch, actually. I can't think of, like, anything specific. To be honest, I'm writing a musical about it because (laughs) I, I find these conventions interesting. And it's not a spoof musical. It's actually something that re- is related to the whole event and in, in giving credit to all the people involved. The people I actually really have enjoyed almost more than anyone are the volunteers that sit beside you because they're very interesting people. They are, they do this almost weekly or certainly once a month or something and they get paid almost nothing, almost nothing. They get put up in a hotel and they party together. Again, another reason for them to get together, right? But a lot of those people have tough lives. That I'm just, This is just my experience. They're kind of like a little bit tough lives. And they go to these things to escape their life. Because they can be anything in these conventions. They can be as sexy as they want. They can be as wild as they want. They can wear, you know, you know, intestines out of their eyes. And no one will even blink. And uh, they're allowed to enjoy their imagination because a lot of those people have to, in my experience, have tough life. So in my musical, they're going to have, they're going to be focused on a little bit. So I like those people. I mean, I like, you know, I've met some great celebrities and I've, the problem with actors, you know, even famous actors, like the more famous, the, the worse this is. You can't compliment famous actors. They, I don't know what it is with actors, but I remember I said to Rudger Howard, I was doing a movie with Rudger Howard. And I, I told him I love Blade Runner, you know, and I, I quoted the speech at the end, which was, you know, I love it. And he was, um, it's not that he was insulted, but it almost like put it, it created a different relationship with me in this film with him. And I said from that moment on, I can't, I can't compliment actors anymore. And I think it has something to do with this. I think some, sometimes the actors go, you don't realize that I did a crappy job in that, that movie and you, I don't even understand, you know, how badly I, I, how, how bad I was in it. You just, you just saw the surface and I know how bad I was in it because I think most actors actually go, there was more to be, be done or the editing wasn't good enough or blah, blah, blah. And, uh, so it's something to do with that. So I've met a lot of famous people on, on, in these conventions and I'm happy to meet them, but I, it, it's actually, I have to almost have to pretend I'm just like guy having lunch with, uh, you know, Lawrence Olivier or whatever it is, uh, you know, uh, as opposed to being impressed with being in their presence, because it is kind of neat that I've met them all. However, I do have a theory about this whole uh, superstar thing, too. I've worked with a lot of superstars in my life, you know, and I'm not one of them. I'm, at the moment, could be called just sort of like a working actor or someone who's been, you know, lucky a few, number of times. But, you know, about 15 people get all the films. So you can be doing a film in Transylvania. You could be doing it in Calgary and... And it'll be Russell Crowe because, you know, only a handful of people get all of the films. So you actually do meet them all. You do scenes with all of them. That's my experience. So I've met a lot of them at the conventions, but I've also worked with a bunch of them. 
since working on Aliens, you've appeared in quite a few other sci-fi pieces. The RoboCop TV series, The the Strain, and most recently, The Expanse. RoboCop movie, too. Oh, were you? Oh, yeah, you you were one of the cops in the, in the yeah. reboot, reboot, weren't you? Oh, that's right. I thought that reboot was pretty good, but most recently the the Expanse, which which I've also really enjoyed. I recently finished the the first season, and I thought it was one of the best hard sci-fi shows that I've seen in a while, and one of the best things I've seen sci-fi put out in a while. So I was curious, what was your experience working on that show, and can we expect to see you back for the second season? It was really. I actually got the job because I'd done this. Uh, there's a there's a thing here called Lost Girl, a TV series, and I did one day on Lost Girl with this director, um, and it was a really funky moment. I just basically I did it for the money, but the truth is, um, I was a drug addict or something, a junkie, or and I just went crazy. And uh, years later, and this is why you know no job is uh, too small, because years later, out of the blue, he cast me in The Expanse. That's how I got that job. I was on the strain just before that, and I was kind of bummed out that I died on the strain. And um, so I got this job, which is really cool, because they they filmed it very carefully. They filmed it like a feature. Every little moment, every little detail mattered to them. And the kinds of directors they were using were really, really um, interesting. Um, you know, not just sort of run-of-the-mill TV directors, not to put down TV directors, but they, there was some money here and an attitude towards filming here that was very careful. And yes, you will see me in this next season. And, uh, cause I am the man who knows, uh, I have the key to the, all the data that matters in order to save the universe, basically. So, <laughs> it matters. But what is funny about that, uh, me being on the expanse is like, sometimes you think it's like, you know, that's an interesting job. That's good. So you see me now do this. I, I'm talking to someone in, in in a couple of episodes I did in a very still way. And I was wearing, same as in Aliens, actually. I have a big head, okay? In Aliens, my helmet didn't fit. So really, my face is like this. I'm doing all of Aliens like this. And I'm in pain. And I did the same thing on The Expanse. I had to stay very still. I was in a huge rubber suit. And I was held very tightly and I was wearing a helmet that was just like, and the camera was right in front of me, like right here. And it was very hard to do, you know, because it was claustrophobic. But I was also like, you, you know, you're breathing in your own poisonous air and uh, it's hard to concentrate. But uh, that was interesting in that. But uh, anyway, I'm just saying that they were very careful in there. I, I actually think the shooting of it is better than the books, which is not that common. But uh, I'm impressed with it. It may not last too long. I've been reading the meaning to read the books, and I I believe they just released a, another one. What was your thoughts about the um, the set work on that? Well, that's what I'm saying is that they were incredibly detailed, and it was like it was practically like like on the level of like an alien set. It was vast and uh, you know epic and uh, careful and and you know from a design perspective. Fabulous. I don't know if it's being given credit for that, but it, it was it was one of the best I've ever seen. Um, before we sign off, we have a couple of questions from one of our members. Uh, Echo Base seventy nine has a question relating to Nightbreed. He asks, "What was it like working with Clive Barker on Nightbreed?" He's a fantastic guy. He was a great guy. That was one of the first things I ever did too. And uh, he'd start the day with a cigar that was like a foot and a half long, and he'd smoke that cigar the whole time. And uh, he was like. He's a writer, so he was like, uh, he was, he was like a child, like running around a playground. He was just having fun. It was great being on it. 
I said to him, why did you put it in? I think he said it in Buffalo Jump, which is in Alberta, Canada, I think. And he said, well, the thing is, people know about Fiji. They know about, you know, Tahiti. But no one knows Canada. This is the most obscure place you could think of. <laughs> so I thought that's funny. I just loved the guy. I think he had a great spirit and uh, he was super inventive. I mean, it, it, to, to be honest, it, it was in that world and still this happens where I think I love the movie in a way, but it's a bit camp and it also, um, the tension gets relieved when someone tells a stupid line in the midst of terror, which those movies, that was a new thing then. And they did it a little too much in that movie. So I, I have to hold him a little bit at fault to that because I think, you know, he was loving his good fun attitude towards the set but i think it, i think it dissolved the tension a little bit did you ever see his uh restored director's cut no but i should and i will and also um bishop should go asks uh what your most memorable memorable day on the set of aliens was i would say let me think um i i think i enjoyed i mean it was like a revelation to me to be on that i know it sounds crazy but probably the cafeteria scene just because I couldn't believe how movie actors acted on these things. And they were so easy and so real. It was like a, like an epiphany for me about how this is supposed to be done. And, uh, I was impressed with that, you know, but also one of the greatest things about aliens too, and I've met him a number of times since, and he's like this is, um, Hudson, um, what's his name? Bill Paxton. Yeah, Bill. Uh, the, like he was another person the first time I, he went, Danny Cash. Danny Cash, hello, great to see you. Like it was like almost like he's like the maitre d of this whole thing, and <laughs> he was like the friendliest person I've ever met in the midst of this sort of terror. And so that was a great moment for me, to be honest too, because I was learning about how people behave in in these movies, and the people who thrive most are the people who are most relaxed, and those guys proved that to me, and I pre really appreciated him doing that. So, but honestly, it was probably the cafeteria scene. Rico Ross, um, who played Frost, in, in, a, in an interview he did a, while, a year or so ago, he made a comment about um, Bill Paxton acting on, on Aliens and how on set he, he thought it was ridiculously over the top and ridiculously corny and it was just was going to look stupid in the film. I know what he's talking about. I mean, because in a way, like some people get away with some of this stuff, man. If I talked like like he talked in that film, people would have gone, that's not real at all. But he had done like weird science and stuff. and He had been good at doing that almost like he was good at almost doing like cartoon characters in real life. So he was just a goof on the like he was an idiot uh, on the ship and he's impatient in, in the most uh, immature kind of way. But if you think about it, there are tons of people on Earth like that. And uh, he it's acceptable to me. And I know what Rico was talking about. It's true in a way you go. Um, he was going, come on, man, come on, get out. It's totally over the top, but actually it's, it's, you gotta be impressed with the fact that, uh, the world bought it. Obviously, James Cameron absolutely loves the guy, and, uh, he's right too, because he can extend, you know, those people that can extend aspects of their personality to that degree become the great actors, I think. And he owns a certain kind of area. It's actually everything from us. So, you know, thanks for taking the time to chat to us today, and, you know, and put up with a couple of nerds. And before we do, <laughs> before we do sign off, I was wondering if, if there's anything you'd like to say, any stories that we haven't given you the opportunity to get out there. I think I've pretty well like cro uh, 
fulfilled uh, the whole alien's journey. I don't really have any particular things, except that I wanted to get a uh, souvenir from the set, and no one would let me, because I, I was in the habit of grabbing something from anything I had done, and I was almost killed for that. But you know what? I should have I should have kept the script. Now I actually realize that there were certain very valuable things I should have kept. I should have kept the script. But no, listen, it... You know, I'm not like the most important thing in the story of Aliens, but it became it's become much more of an important event than I ever expected it to be. One of the things I loved was uh, one of the, when I think about Aliens, I actually, this is stupid, but I, I think of having, they brought us to, we ate in this sort of two places, in the most glorious sort of dining hall, um, you know, at Pinewood, Pinewood, where the VIPs go and everything. It was like, it was kind of wonderful with that whole cast uh, eating in this environment. But I do remember going to the cafeteria and uh, Little Shop of Horrors was being done at the same time. And it, it, it was like a I Love Lucy uh, episode to me because there'd be these tough Marines coming in, you know, in the line. And they were like, get out of my way, you know, sort of like living the part. And then, then there was these three black girls like with earphones on going, ladies that pain in the Bahamas. And they were you know, complete contrast, but we were both doing movies there, so what the hell? I love that moment. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you uh, taking the time out. Alright. And uh, that, that, that's you know, that's everything. Okay. So, you know, that was Daniel Cash you're listening to, uh, Spunk Man from Aliens. Thank you very much. See ya. And that was Daniel Cash. I'd just like to thank him once again for taking the time to talk to us. Also thanks to the members who submitted any questions, and of course thanks to you guys and girls for listening. Uh, we've got plenty in store for 2017, including uh, quite a few more Alien Covenant interviews, so stick with us. Uh, be sure to check in regularly on the homepage, you know, that's uh, avpgalaxy.net. And we're also on social media, we're on Facebook as Alien vs Predator Galaxy, and on Twitter as avpgalaxy.net. So be sure to follow us and get the latest news as it drops. This is Corporal Hicks. And Ridgetop signing off.